What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 85 of TorontoGameDoes.com podcast. We're your host, Steve, the main dude behind TorontoGameDoes, and joining us for a special uh, podcast, I guess, I don't know, uh, <laughs> since, since Brett is MIA, uh, is Jake Buttonow. Hello. Uh, famously from YouTube and the intro <laughs> to this, pod- <laughs> the intro to this podcast. And, Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. Um, <laughs> Jake, it's, I think it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. It has. I couldn't even tell you the last time I was on. Do you want to? Do you want to give uh, listeners just kind of a brief recap of who you are, what you do, what your skills are, what kind of games you like, sort of thing? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm a freelance composer for video games. Uh, I've been working in the industry for about two years now, um, working with a lot of Toronto devs, um, and. Uh, yeah, I've uh, been working on a couple of games. I'm working on Dune Sea by Frolic Labs. Uh, that's sort of an endless flyer uh, where you play a bird flying through the desert trying to make its way home. Um, and that one's been fun. I'm not sure when that's going to release. I think it's probably going to be 2018 at this point. Uh, but it's 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 a it's a nice looking little game going on. And uh, and I think that's really the only one that I can talk about at the moment. But <laughs> but yeah, that's the life, right? Life, you can't talk about your stuff until until it's out. And you can't show people your stuff until it's out. Yeah, it's so weird. Like video games are surrounded by such secrecy. Um, even when yeah. a game is shown off, if they, if they just show it at E three or something like that, then they just basically don't talk about it. Like think of like Ubisoft's. Uh, I'm 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 forgetting the name of it right now. The the ship game where you build ships out of like oh uh, Star Starlink. <laughs> yeah, Starlink. I think it's from yeah. Ubisoft Toronto. Like, yeah, <laughs> they, they debut that game. They tell you it's going to be around two thousand fall two thousand eighteen, and then they mm-hmm. just like don't talk about it. Yeah, that's it. That's all you get. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's it's funny because um, especially as like a composer, like um, I'm friends with a lot of film composers, and they're just like free to talk about it like totally, and and like a lot of obviously for like like high high end films it's not the same but even for like smaller films and stuff yeah like people are just showing the music and like you know they're doing live streams of them writing the music and it's like i i can't do any of that like it's it's interesting how ndas and everything is so like locked down on the gaming industry it's it must be because it's it's a tech industry and i think a lot of tech industries are really really heavy on on the secrecy right yeah i guess like you show off something and then there's a concept there and then maybe someone looks at it and can release it like sooner yeah like they show off if they showed off starlink a year ago and they're like oh we can make kind of a smaller scale ship like physical ship building thing like we are like if if uh if Activision saw that and they're like, oh, we can just kind of turn Skylanders into this. Yeah, yeah. The the space the spaceship expansion pack for Skylanders. Yeah, right? exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I guess that's part of it. Um mm-hmm. but it, it is strange, like, you know, I'll talk to devs and stuff like that and just be like, Hey, how is it going? What are you working on? And they'll just be like, Oh, we're working on stuff. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's but you know, everyone uh Everyone, everyone's welcome. Like everyone can do whatever they want with their own property. Like property. Oh, of course. Um, of course. Always, it, it is always just funny, like talking to everyone, and, and they're just like, "Yeah, I can't really tell you what I'm working on." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, great, great, good conversation. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> uh, let's start the show with I think how we start most of the shows with just what we've been playing lately. 
Uh, yeah. Jake, yeah. What, what have you been playing lately? Uh, that's a good question. Well, no, I've, um, I've been playing. Okay. So we finally got around to playing breath of the wild. Uh, have you played? Uh, yeah, you played breath oh, of the yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. Did you get it I on forget- switch or on Wii U? No. So we have the Wii U version cause we're just borrowing it from, uh, Sarah's family. Oh, I see. Um, and the performance is like clearly not the best, but like it's not impacting it that much. Right. Uh, for me, I think I think when it comes to like console games, I'm a lot more lenient about the performance because I know that I can't tweak it and change it, so I'm not so picky about it. But it's it's all right. Now, remind me, Steve, you liked Breath of the Wild, right? Loved it, yeah. Okay, so so <laughs> are so you, are you not I, loving it? I'm okay. So we're 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 at our fourth Divine Guardian right now, and. We're bored and we're having a hard time finishing it. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, and I was really surprised because um, when we started playing it, and like I was like, this is the type of open world game that I like. I was like, the map isn't filled with icons. You have to actually go explore and find stuff, and then you can put the icons in the map yourself. I was like, that's that's great. That's perfect. And yeah. and the way that the map was laid out, at least in the starting area, I was like, oh yeah, everything makes sense. They give you. You know, they teach you how to cut down a tree, and then just over there, there's a tree that you can cut down to access a secret area. And it's like, that's fantastic. That's the kind of stuff that I love in open world games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and, 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 but from the very beginning, uh, the mechanics and the controls were kind of like throwing us off. Like, I hate the menu system, uh, I hate the weapon system, I hate how everything breaks immediately. <laughs> That's so. And, that's interesting because, like, I felt that early on in the game, like yeah. I, I felt like I was, I had no idea what to do. Yeah, um, I got super lost. I remember going on Reddit or GameFAQs, just being like, "What, like, what is the typical like first thing you do, like first area?" Oh, really? Because I, I just got lost and just got crushed by enemies. I'm just like, clearly, this is the game is telling me like I'm not ready for this area yet. But I kind of <laughs> went like in both all four directions and just like, where the hell do I go? And, oh, then, okay. and then in, early on in the game, weapon durability is is quite the issue. Yeah. But I felt as as time went on, like um, you just kind of always have weapons on you. Yeah, but the 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 issue I have it's not even it's not even the point that my weapons are breaking because yeah, at this point I've got uh, better weapons that don't break. Like you know, instead of breaking after one fight, they break after like four fights, right? And, but, and more inventory space as well. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but the issue I have is that every single time a weapon does break, um, it like absolutely kills any uh, gameplay flow or immersion I have because you have to, you know, go into the weapon menu. Like I wish it just auto equipped the next weapon. Or something so you could just keep fighting um because when i open up that menu it's like even the quick select menu it's like i feel like it's kind of breaking my focus but then the biggest issue i have and it's such a i think this is the thing about breath of the wild because it's the little things that are really annoying me and those annoyances are just sort of piling up over the hours because when you go to pick up a weapon and your inventory is full it doesn't give you an option to just swap out something when it says, oh, your inventory is full. Right. Would you like yeah. to swap out a weapon, right? You have to close the dialogue menu, go into the menus, go to find, you know, find the weapons, pick the one that you want, drop it, make sure that you don't accidentally pick up the one that you just dropped <laughs> and grab the new weapon and get it. And it's just like, that's like 45 seconds 
that even 30 seconds that I feel like I'd rather just be playing the game right now. Yeah. You know, and it's it's small things like that, but um but as we went on um and with the open world and stuff, it just feels kind of empty. It feels too big. Yeah. And and cuz it's funny because Shadow of the Colossus is one of my favorite games ever and it had a giant empty open world but it was trying to you know make this feeling of you know this place you're not supposed to like be here it was like Um, sacred ground or whatever yeah it's sacred ground but zelda it feels like like yeah there was the there was the calamity and so people aren't really supposed to be around because there's monsters everywhere but it just feels like we're traveling for hours and hours and when we see not hours that's obviously it feels like we're traveling for hours it's a exaggeration but and when we see something interesting because at the beginning of the game um you know you'd see something kind of interesting and you'd go huh i'm gonna go check that out and then you go and there's something there and that's fantastic that's what i like about open world games is when you have like a like a checkpoint it's like okay i am heading towards this divine beast i'm heading towards the zora place and on the way you get distracted by so many little interesting things right um but i found as we went on every time i saw something interesting i'm like okay it's just gonna be another shrine and then i go and it's another shrine and i'm like i wish that there was like you know some secret side quest and i'm sure those are are out there but we've just been missing them maybe because i feel like yeah, go ahead. A lot of the quests are in the like the stables in the, in the town. There's like three towns, I think, three or four towns. Yeah, so yeah. There's quests there, and then in those those like stable travel areas are where a majority of the quests are. Okay. Um, that being said, like I agree, like I agree with actually with most of what you're saying. Like, yeah, the inventory is not like ideal, especially with weapons. Like weapons mm-hmm. is probably the worst part, because um, like for normal items and cooking stuff, it's just like unlimited. Yeah, yeah. Or it feels like it. I never hit the the max. Uh, yeah, and yeah, when you break a weapon, it, it like you kind of just have to run away for a second to like get out another weapon. Mm-hmm. Cook. I don't know if you got into cooking either, but cooking is kind of crappy too because like yeah, you have to like you hold to... your five items <laughs> or open whatever. up the menu, grab your five <laughs> items, throw yeah. them in. Yeah, like you wish you menu, could just yeah. go to the thing and then it says like cooking and then it opens like another like a sub menu of just yeah. your cooking ingredients and not like rock like rocks and other shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, with you on that. And and yeah, and a lot of like there's 120 shrines in there uh, and like 900 <sighs> of those quirky guys or whatever. There's 120 shrines? Yeah. Oh my god, I don't want to do that many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at like 105-ish. Wow. Or so. I'm yeah. like determined not to use a guide for the game. Like I just want to kind of try to find them naturally. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I spent the last like two, three hours exploring areas I haven't explored yet. Because I don't know if you got the DLC. Probably not. No. But no. what the DLC does is up to the last, or the last 200 hours of your game, it will track Link's uh, movement. So on your map, you'll see a green line that kind of just goes everywhere that you. Went. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I like I like that feature. That's nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet because then when I got it and I I loaded it up or whatever, there's clear areas that I missed. I just managed to go around or just never went to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've kind of like gone like I've checked all of those off, so I don't know where the missing shrines are, and I don't really want to like use a guide. So. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think I think for for someone who enjoys sort of that exploration completionist thing like you do, um, I think that the, the game is great. I just for me, I feel like the rewards I'm getting is not worth the exploration. Like I I, I enjoy exploration <coughs> for exploration's sake, but I just feel like even the the environments aren't quite interesting enough for me to want to explore and i think it's just because of the size of it like mm. i feel like i feel like i honestly feel like the game is a little undercooked i feel like it should have been in the game development oven for another like 6 months just to flesh it out like a little bit more mm-hmm. because it's almost there cuz like i would say the first 10 hours i was really enjoying and now I'm just kind of like, eh. you know, so, yeah. Oh, and, and the voice acting is garbage and I hate it. And it's making me, it's, it's literally every time I have, I haven't picked up any of the story because every time the voice acting's on my brain, my brain just like shuts off. I'm like, I can't, I can't listen to this. It's not that much voice acting though, is there? It's like, it's just in those no, memories. There's, no, there's not, but every time it happens, like I literally couldn't tell you what the story of this game is because the first time Zelda started speaking, we just burst out la- in laughter and we missed the whole cutscene. It was oh boy. Yeah. So, I we're probably going to finish it, but we're just kind of like I don't know. That's interesting. Drag, you're the, you're we're the first, yeah, yeah, you're the first person I've talked to that uh I've seen that I've seen basically like what your your criticisms like online and what people are saying and stuff, but I've never actually like met someone in real life who uh, mm, who feels yeah. that way. Yeah, I just <clears throat> for me the biggest like the the coolest thing that game does is that you can climb anywhere, and that certainly kind of makes the world way bigger than it seems. Because like in yeah. Skyrim, you like you have to like go around a mountain or whatever. Yeah, but in Zelda, you can just climb right up that thing. So <clears throat> I was playing like Horizon on PS4 at the same time. Mm. Mm-hmm. and just like you know i would get to a cliff and couldn't climb it and have to go around i was getting like frustrated and i'd load up zelda i would just climb that thing and i was <laughs> like this is like the great like this is like the coolest thing it's ever done to an open world game because it's literally every square inch of that map is yeah touchable yeah by the which main. is cool which is very cool uh in concept for me but maybe this is just because like like i think open i got away from open world games I think Assassin's Creed 3 was really the point where open world games were just like, I'm kind of sick of these. Um, and so I feel like I feel like the whole climbing thing, it might just be like a I really I've come to really appreciate like level design. Um, and it's so hard to make like an engaging map in an open world game. And since you can climb everything, I don't and for me, it's kind of funny because it's like for exploration, it's great. But when you're going to an area like you know when you're going to the gerudo area um you know there's like this pathway where there's all these little monster camps and i'm just kind of sitting there and i'm like i mean i could take the path and i'm sure that there'd be some fun fights on the way or i could just climb this mountain bypass everything and then i'm kind of like defeating my own experience because i know i would have more fun fighting the monsters but i'm like "Ah, but climbing the mountains just so much easier (laughs) yeah one thing uh i remember like thinking when the first game first came out was does it need some sort of rpg element like does it need something where it's like every fight or every little bit you like get better and and then there's like little skills that you can kind of collect Mm, yeah and 
because that was just coming from I was playing Horizon at the same time, right? And so Horizon, you leveled up and then you got skills and and you could hold more things. Like I, w- I was, I remember like thinking like, would this make the game better? Yeah, and, and not necessarily like it, it's still the same game. Like you wouldn't want to have like, oh, now you can climb like a steeper slope or something like that as a skill or some yeah. shit. Um, yeah. And so I don't know what they would add. It would have to be like combat moves or something like that. Yeah, um, but I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah that, at the by the end of the game, I was kind of avoiding those fights too. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting you say that because the other way they can make the fights sort of more interesting because like the game is is pretty difficult. I think um, oh, combat yeah, I, wise. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the harder Zelda games. Yeah, and I was surprised, but it's funny because the combat system isn't actually that robust, right? Like, like as it, like when we first started playing as a joke, I kind of kept saying, "Oh, this is just like Dark Souls because it like vaguely resembles the same combat style." But then, I, then as we play more and more, and I'm like, "No, it's it's definitely a Zelda game because the combat system isn't like terribly complicated or uh, what's the word? Just like yeah, it's not very engaging, right? Um, so maybe if they made the combat a little bit more mechanically interesting then you might want to get into more fights just because then you can actually feel yourself getting better at the fighting yeah um i mean one, so it, it's interesting because uh-huh. one thing that sorry to interrupt no go ahead one thing that the game does is it like it gives you all the tools right at the start like everything you can do an hour into that game as soon as you get the paraglider or, or however long that takes yeah like as soon as you get that an hour 100 you didn't learn anything new except for like the four magic spells from yeah. the, from the from the shrines or whatever or the, from yeah. the, the bosses mm-hmm. but those aren't like you don't need those to go anywhere either it's just like it makes it more convenient to like fight enemies or like go up a cliff or something like that so like the yeah. combat doesn't like literally doesn't change from hour 1 or hour 2 or whatever to hour 100 um yeah yeah so i was like i'm like 80 85 hours in and now because i'm just like set on finding shrines i've been avoiding uh, like mobs and stuff like that. Yeah, and I I feel like that's kind of a kind of a shame because you know it's like combat's such an integral part of the game. You think that it would be more fun to be involved in, right? So, so yeah. So so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we're at the uh, we're at the bird divine guardian right oh, now. Oh, that was the last one you did. Yeah, yeah. We went uh, Zora, Goron, Gerudo, uh, bird people. <laughs> Falcos, <laughs> yeah, whatever the name. Is. <laughs> the Falco people. Yeah. It's funny because the spell you get for that person is actually like the best one in the game. I thought. Oh really? Yeah, it's it basically like. Do you want the spoilers or? Ah, uh, no, you don't have to tell me. We'll we'll find out soon enough. Okay, yeah. But that's that's funny. Um, but I did yeah. that one second. I think I did Zora, Bird People, and then uh, Gorons, and then Sand hmm. People. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I would say the Gerudo is was definitely my favorite area um but not not like the the map area i think map area wise probably the goron place was my favorite i thought that was the most interesting area to be in um but the gerudo like the 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 town and the story line uh was the most interesting for the gerudo and i kind of wish we did it last because the bird people is sort of a not as interesting comparatively, but anyways, I did think 
I did think Ganon's uh, castle was like really, really dope, and I, I kind of like. Okay. I spent more time in that, so let me know what you think of Ganon's castle because okay, uh, it's huge, and you like you could kind of beeline it straight to the the final boss, um, in mm. maybe like an hour or so. But there's a like kind of like that whole game really, like you could beeline it to each area and beat it really quickly. But yeah, there's a lot of cool kind of because you don't really. Uh, there isn't really like even like caverns that you go into that game. Everything's kind of in the open world. So like Ganon's yeah. Castle is like the biggest like indoor area. Okay. And, and so there's a lot of like hallways and a lot of like secret little like nooks and crannies and sort of a, like kitchen areas and book areas and stuff like that. Huh. Like, I thought it was like really really cool. I'm kind of spoiling it a little bit for you, but let me know no, what no, you no, think. No, no, that's fine. Let me know what yeah. you think when you get to that that part of the game because it was like. It was a really great final castle, is what I'll say. Yeah, well, that sounds great because the, another another. Sorry, I'm gonna go back into this. Another issue that I have is that the divine beasts are all too samey, and yeah, like especially like aesthetic. Because you look at any other Zelda game, and it's like fire temple, water temple, forest temple, shadow temple. This is just like divine beast, divine beast, yeah, divine the, beast. The pu- like the puzzles are kind of, I guess, are kind of. Yeah, the, me- them the a little bit, but yeah, the, the mechanics are the mechanics in each one are different, but just like the aesthetic, it's just like and and the atmosphere, it's all just the the same, and all the bosses, none of the bosses are memorable. Like like at least for the divine beasts, I mean. Right, right, right. Like they all look the same, so it's like. Eh. Well, they're all these like weird ghosty like yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah. What have you been playing, Steve? <laughs> uh, Destiny 2, mostly. Oh, how's that going? Very, 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 very well. I got into Destiny 1 quite a bit. I played the like the vanilla game, and then I played the Taken King expansion like a year later and stuff. Okay. And after that, I, I kind of dropped out. So I'm, I'm much more of a like solo gamer. So I got to the point where I can basically do everything by myself. Okay. Uh, without having to like matchmake and find other nerds to play with and stuff, so I didn't really do the. I, I only did the raids when like my friends basically made the whole party for me and, and just invited me. Gotcha. Um, but Destiny Two, so like the start of Destiny was actually like my favorite part of the game because there was just a lot to, that you could do on your own. <clears throat> so it's the same with Destiny Two, where it's like the story and everything that they've done to this game since the first one is like top notch. Like it's very, it's like an awesome. Um, kind of like level up of Destiny One. They That's just great. Like, improved on a lot of like the the bigger issues that the first game had. Yeah, well, because some... because for the first game wasn't sort of the big criticism is like this game plays well, but there's not much to it other than the gameplay. Yeah, like the shooting and 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 jumping and platforming and stuff like that is like ten out of ten. Like it's awesome. Like I think like as far as first person shooters on consoles go. Destiny 1 and 2 are, like, the best it, it could ever be. Like, nice. controlling wow. the gun, shooting it, all that stuff is is really, really well done. Um, but then with Destiny 1, I think it was just kind of, like, there was a lot of just, like, weird design issues that they would, you would do. Uh, did you play it, or? I have not played either of the games, no. So in Destiny 1, you would get, like, these, these things called Ingrams, which were just, like, color-coded items that you would have to go decrypt, basically identify. Okay. Okay. So you would get green, blue, purple, and then yellow, and then it goes up in in betterness. Um, and so you would get like a purple one, but it still had the chance to be a blue item, which was useless at the end of the game. Oh, so I see. Like, yeah, so it's it's like a rarity system. Yeah, yeah. and then okay, it would just like it would just like defeat you basically because you would have like three purples, 
part of me that you would go identify and then like they would all just be blue items and you just that, trash them that doesn't make sense why would it <laughs> I, I don't know they they changed that maybe like a month or two in the game so they kind of like fixed like there was a lot of things where they designed it and then the player base base was just like why are you why did you do it like this like this doesn't make any <laughs> sense it just makes it less fun and frustrating yeah so they fixed a lot of that stuff um there's some ui kind of oddities but as a game like it's it's much improved like it's really really fun um, yeah i'm kind of at the point last night I'm, I'm pretty close to like finishing the game where a solo player can get to yeah um before having to join the raid but what they're going to be doing at the end of the month is um is like basically matchmaking with uh with like the harder stuff but they have to, those raid groups have to pick it. So the the harder challenges in Destiny are called Nightfall Strikes and and the raid. Okay. Okay. And the the strike is three teams. So if you could just do a normal kind of mission and just match make with randos and it'd be fine. Or you if you're a team of two, you can like request one person to kind of. Join oh, you. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you don't have to because how many are how many are in a raid? Uh, six. So I think how the raids will work is that. If you're just one person, you have, like, and there's a raid of five people that just need one more dude to mm-hmm. come along, they can like sign up for it. So it just won't match make like six random people. Like there's still groups that are involved. It's just yeah. sort of bringing along like one or two people that's by themselves. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, that's good for yeah people who just kind of are playing by themselves but want to be able to do the high the the end game stuff, right? Yeah. So so. Oh, that's great. So the great. story is like much better. Like the cutscenes are like way cooler. Um, yeah, I hear that there's actual like memorable characters this time around. Unlike there are, the last yes. game. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's funny like just how people were saying like, um, oh your your character this time is a silent protagonist, and I was just like I thought in the last game like your character was a silent protagonist. Like I don't remember him talking at all, and it turns out you talk maybe like five times in the whole game. <laughs> uh, so this time they just were like okay we won't do that at all and so the goat the, like your ghost trembling companion is like much better there's kind of an individual person on each planet um that you kind of go to for quests and stuff like that and, and they're like interesting characters and and mm-hmm. funny like there's one that's like an ai that you know does ai jokes doesn't understand human interactions and stuff like that mm-hmm. um basically all those missions are you like going to save so there's like four enemies cabal the hive take um the the oh, the fallen and uh and the vex and i guess take okay so a lot of the missions that she the this ai kind of sends you to is like when one of those groups are fighting each other and mm-hmm. has you try to save one of them and then of course they once you do they just like attack you so they she's like not understanding that like everyone's at war here like we're mm-hmm. not like the good like good guys or anything like that so it's uh it's it's like well done. Like they they, yeah they they did they like have a much funner um, and like more put together game and like a lot of the stuff a lot of the stuff that's kind of like odd, I think could be patched in the next like kind of month or two. That just like where stuff is and wow and things that's like great. That. I think I don't know. We'll see. Like where the friend list is is kind of just like in a weird spot, um, but like the game, like it's it's so it's a lot of fun. I, I was happy to kind of get back into it. At the same time, That's... too, and you'll appreciate this. As a wedding present, my brother got us like a, a like an like an entertainment receiver thing and and two speakers. Okay, nice. Because my whole life, I've always just played through the TV speakers. 
And so he's yeah. been he's been living with us, and he saw this setup, and he was like, "No, like how how could you? How are you a gamer and you don't have this shit?" Yeah. So he he bought us some new speakers and and I set it up. So at the same time, while I'm playing uh, this gorgeous, beautiful Destiny Two, it sounds like incredible now. So that's fantastic. That's yeah. great to hear. I'm like a changed man now because I shoot the gun and it just like rumbles my eardrums if I put it like yeah. super loud. I'm just like, oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah. That's why whenever whenever I play anything, I really want to get immersed in. It's always headphones. It's like my speakers are good, but it's like I gotta just put on headphones and crank it up whenever i do i it's it's such an important part of the experience especially gotta, for me obviously yeah so. you gotta play that thumper with headphones oh yeah i would not play thumper without headphones just crank it and and the other game is uh doom i never play doom without headphones I'm, just, yeah i'm interested gosh. in doom on the switch like portable portable doom I think it's amazing that they're bringing Dooms to Switch. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm. Whenever I hear just any game getting ported to Switch, I was like, yes. I don't have one, but I'm just happy for everyone who does. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 because uh, they're doing Wolfenstein too, which as well. So it's like, yeah, I still need to play the first, the the New Order. Is uh, the first one? Yeah, it's it's real. It's a it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm I know a, I'm gonna like it. I I know I'm gonna like it. I just have to get around to it. But yeah, that's great that they're putting the second one on there too. Yeah. Um, because yeah, before it was just like Skyrim, so it's like a five year old, six year old game. <laughs> so people were just like, "Oh, is that the ports we'll get? Like, is Fallout Four possible?" But Doom yeah. is like last year, and it's gorgeous and runs fast. Like, I I I hope they're thinking that they wouldn't put Doom on the Switch if they couldn't get that thing to run as fast as it yeah. runs on PS4. Yeah, yeah. That's well, like because cool. it's it's mandatory. Like, you can't play that game at because on PS4 it runs at sixty, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't you can't play that game at thirty yeah. for sure. Um, and they they've done a few like kind of comparison videos too, and, and it looks like it looks solid. I feel like when the game's actually running, like if it runs at sixty frames per second, like as fast as you can possibly get on that little console, mm-hmm. uh, you won't notice like that. It's just like it doesn't look as great as. Uh, as the ps4 version because like i think switch yeah. owners just accept that they just know like we're not going to get games that look as good but yeah we at least get them to run smoothly yeah and i think i think that the other thing the switch has going for it is that since when you're playing in portable mode the screen isn't that big so you can really focus on performance right yeah. like like you can really focus on it doesn't have to look great because the details are going to be small anyways so because i think i think breath of the wild um, runs better portably than it does docked, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. I know when I played NBA Playgrounds, um, it was like the the character models are blurry, but technically the only time I would ever notice is just at the start of the game when it just shows the two players like standing there all cool like, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, they do kind of look a little blurry. But once the game's running, like you don't notice it. Like yeah, exactly. As long as it's playing well, you're not gonna notice the, yeah the little details and stuff. So uh, that's great. Solid conversation. Uh, is we can go to hype time. Hype, hype, hype. Is that good? <laughs> is that a good song? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, thank you. Is there any events or anything like that you want to hype up? What's the uh, What's the they? deal with uh, the uh, Breakfast Club Audio Club? Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we are going on to our third uh, monthly breakfast game game audio breakfast club. I don't know like the order of words that the title is. <laughs> the breakfast uh, game audio club. <laughs> breakfast game audio club. It's Alex. Alex Malatich is uh sort of in charge of the Twitter. Actually, it's funny because um uh 
uh, the Hand Eye Society uh, reached out to us and said, "Oh, hey, can we like put this in our monthly newsletter?" And I, I asked Alex, and I'm like, "I don't know, can we?" And he's like, "Dude, you're like also in charge of this thing." And I'm like, oh, "That's news to me. I thought it was just you." But um, yeah. So our our next meetup is uh, Thursday, October fifth. Uh, we're gonna do beginning of October instead of end of September. It just works out better for us. And yeah, if you're um, if you're into game audio, if you're looking to get into the industry, or if you're in the industry, uh, we just meet up at a cafe at 9 a.m. and have some breakfast and be a bunch of nerds. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's nice. We had uh, we had four people out to the last one, uh, four of us, and uh, it's slowly growing. And yeah, no, it's it's just a nice little get together. So that's in three, no, oh, two weeks. Two weeks if I'm not on the podcast before then again. But <laughs> you might be. I might be. I might be. Uh, I'll be. I'll be happy to to come out here. How come you guys do it during the weekdays? It just it just works out better for all of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, because for for. I mean, for a lot of us, we're freelancers, right? So really, we have we have very, very uh, flexible schedules, and and also, I think um, I think it's kind of nice because at least for me, like I'm I'm a morning person, anyways, right? Like that's why we started mm-hmm. it because I'm so like sick of events being at eight p.m. because I like to be sleeping by ten, so it's like I'm done by eight p.m. Right? Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of nice because it it gets us all like out of bed and thinking about like you know music and audio and it gets us excited and I don't know like I have a really productive work day uh, whenever we have, have it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, it's a fun time if you want to come out. And uh, I think that's really all I have to <coughs> hype at the moment. I'm not sure what else is coming up to be honest. I saw a tweet about game dev drinks. I don't know. You got anything? I'll do the Brett uh, game dev drinks plug. Okay. Cool. Uh, I thought I saw it. Their pin tweet is very outdated. I thought I saw some. <laughs> Who was it? Uh, I can't remember. I think there's a Game Dev Drinks this month, but I can't remember who, where I saw it and who it's with and stuff like that. But you can go to Game Dev Drinks on Twitter, and, and I'll, I'll probably post it like on the website too at some point. So, um, other than that, cool. We can just go to news time. Yeah, let's do it. It's where you just say news, 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 news. news, yeah, news. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, really, just like shout outs to a few things that kind of uh, happened. There's a group of McMaster students that's launching that launched a Kickstarter for a game called Chocolate Conquest. It's a JRPG mm. kind of style game. Uh, there is a Kickstarter, but quote, the game takes place in a strange world where chocolate is the source of all power. It's delicious and flows through all beans. You'll play as Yuri, a young woman with the power to topple the world's rules and stand against fate. Yuri is able to relieve her past experience, relive her past experiences and open doors that were previously close to her by finding allies and gathering strength across playthroughs. Yuri hopes to shatter the rules placed on the world. So it's a group of, uh, of McMaster students. They reached out to us and we were happy to kind of post this. Uh, game looks dope. I am a fan of JRPGs. I don't know if you are. Um, so anything that kind of hardens yeah, to not, that. Yeah, not, not particularly, but when I was watching the Kickstarter trailer and reading through this, um, the thing that interests me is that, yeah, it's like, it's got like a card crafting system, right? Mm. Like that gives you abilities and stuff. And by crafting certain cards uh, and having them sort of equipped uh, or in your inventory or whatever during certain story events, that can actually change 
um, what happens in the encounters and in the story. And I think that's an interesting idea is that it's not so much like a, a choice mechanic. It's like having the right item at the right time is going to change how the story goes. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, and it sounds so. like they'll want you to play. Like they mentioned multiple playthroughs a couple times, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm I'm wondering if it's kind of going to be a shorter experience, but then they'll want you to kind of replay it over and over and over again. I think that would be. I think that'd be cool. Um, so. so they they do need a little help getting back in there. We're only asking for three thousand dollars, but they're only currently at two hundred fifty seven with uh, about nineteen days left to go. So we can uh, certainly help them out if we can. Uh, I think yeah. I backed it, or I backed it, but I forget what like level I did. I think there's like a fifteen dollar. Uh, like fifteen dollar, you get the game. One. Yeah, that's the ten dollar one. You get the game. There you go. I did that. Oh, yeah. I did fifteen bucks. So I did. The, I probably did the ten dollar reward and gave them a couple extra dollars. So nice. Boom. Number two, Planet cool. of the Eyes is on uh, PS4 and Xbox One right now. Brett. Yeah, you you just played that, right? Yeah. Sorry, I called you Brett, but Jake, did you ever play Planet <laughs> of the Eyes? Uh, I've I've it's always been on my list, but I've never gotten around to it. It's, uh, it's it's fun. It's just very short. Like. I platinumed it. Uh, I did like one and a half playthroughs in about two hours. Uh, oh, granted, wow. I played it okay. before, so I kind of knew some of the stuff. Uh, although the that mm. end of the YouTube video ends on a place that I kind of forgot the puzzle to. But okay, I would say the longest you could play this game is like an hour and a half in one playthrough. So it is very short. I wish they kind of added a little bit more, but it is a lot of fun. The mechanics are solid. The story is like pretty, like the voice acting and story is like pretty cool for what what it is just a little game about a robot on a deserted planet so yeah and is it is it uh ten dollars on ps4 as well uh i think it was like thirteen dollars but with a ten dollar like with the playstation plus discount right now cool um but it does usually it will go on sale like uh, like i've seen on steam for like five bucks five six bucks yeah yeah it's it's eight bucks on steam right now 20 percent off so yeah yeah uh so it's fun to check that uh and i did a let's play of it uh i just like started streaming it and then I forgot like I've set up my YouTube to kind of save all the streams. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, I might as well just post this up. I think it's just like, I don't think I say a single thing and just my cat. Is in front yeah. Of you're me. just, you're just lounging and yeah. your cat's just in the corner. It's, yeah. it's good. It's a good look. I'm chilling. I kind of forgot. <laughs> I kind of forgot. So I was just like, whatever. Um, the YouTube video, the YouTube channel will be back at some point, by the way. Uh, I was telling Jake off there, but, um, we are, I'm the, the the den that I set up or that I did all the videos and stuff is just piled like just has a bunch of shit in it for a wedding. Um, <laughs> so I don't have a den right now. It's just a storage area. So as soon as that gets cleaned up, probably uh, at the end of next month, uh, I could start doing videos again because I do kind of miss doing them. So. You, it's okay. You can come check out my videos in the meantime. Yeah, we're we're on uh, YouTube. Can we find Jake Bundo's videos? You can find them at Jake Buttno. <laughs> it's a just Jake Buttno. I'm the only. I'm like the only Jake Buttno on the internet, so it works out well for me. Yeah, I. I don't think I have an actual channel, but the channel is just called Jake Buttno. So yeah, I make I make videos discussing game audio, uh, and stuff. So come check those out. But that's not news. Let's get back to news. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, uh, Maze is also out on PS4 and Xbox One. They came out on the same day. Uh, this game I haven't yes. played yet. I picked it up, but. Um, it's you play it like it's like a I don't know if you play as that teddy bear and then it's like no a, no I think I think the teddy bear is just a character I think you just play you you're just um, like a first person someone I think so yeah because I've 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 heard a lot about this game uh when it was released on Steam but 
I never got around to it. But yeah, it seems like it's a sort of a first person exploration puzzle game with a lot of colorful characters. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. I really want to play it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Same. Yeah, we have it on the PS4 now. Uh, have it downloaded nice. everything. And Heather saw nice. the like the teddy bear, and was just like, "Oh, can we like let's play this?" I was like, "All right." We just mm-hmm. haven't got around to to kind of playing it. Um, yeah. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. know if you played the same, but yeah, I guess you just play. I don't know. Maybe I'll have more next podcast to kind of talk about it because I just haven't cool. played it yet. Um, but it's on Xbox One and PS4, and I think it's like twenty-ish dollars. Yeah, it's it's twenty-two on Steam. Um, so it's probably about the same. Yeah, I think it's around there. I think it also has a PlayStation Plus discount right now. So nice. And you get the soundtrack for five fifty on on Steam. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, produced by people at the Eggplant Collective, which is where Dan used to work. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. So maybe he knows them. <laughs> Speaking of Dan, Runbo is coming to the Switch next year. Yeah, uh, it is. Our, our boy Dan did the did the soundtrack for that. Um. I'm so happy Runbo's just on everything now. Yeah, <laughs> it, they really just poured everything. Like it's right now, you can yeah. pick it up on Wii U, obviously, 3DS, mm-hmm. Steam, Xbox One. It's coming to PS4 this year, and it's now coming to Switch next year. Um, now we just need like mobile, and then we're good. Yeah, I wonder if they could get it like running on. It's not on Vita. I will say that it's not on Vita. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder if they could no, get I'm... it running on a phone, like a Runbo type of game. Oh, probably. Yeah, I'm sure they could, but I'm just, I'm just, every time it goes to something new, I'm like, yes, good job, guys. Yeah. They are working on an unknown Switch game as well. So this isn't the only Switch game they're working on. Um, they said that in an interview, Alex said that in an interview not too long ago, that uh, it's like a single player Switch game that's very 13 AM games, they said. So a little poor job here, and then uh, they're, they're, I guess they're working on a new IP, or I guess we'll have to wait and see. But Yeah, it's exciting. And the final story, uh, Fossil Hunters is also on Kickstarter, so we were talking about um, the McMaster students before, and now Fossil Hunters from Reptoid Games is on Kickstarter. Uh, mm. Currently at, where are they at now? They're at 16,000 of 35,000 with 11 days to go. There you go, so just about halfway with 11 days to go. So let's try to help them out as well. Um, but if you're not familiar with Fossil Hunters, it was part of the Ubisoft Indie Collection uh, a few months ago. And you play as uh, kind of a girl who goes to, who's going to like this area to, to ex- like an expedition and all, your whole crew is gone. Um, and I love the art style of it. It's mm-hmm. like super colorful. Yeah, having- like, it's so easy to like have a game like this would just be brown and just kind of boring. <laughs> but they managed to make it yeah. super colorful and cool. Oh, it's got it's got tons of personality uh, to it. Have you have you ever gotten your hands on this? No, at, like I an event or anything. No, I haven't. Played okay, it yet. have you? Uh, yeah, pretty briefly, we played it at uh, Bit Bazaar for a bit, um, and we didn't we didn't do too much um, because like we kind of picked up the controllers in the middle of an excavation, so we didn't really know what to do. But we just uh, we just went back up to the, the the to the camp and sort of just made little like you know skeletons on mm-hmm. our own and it it's it's nice it it feels nice it looks nice the co-op is uh really simple and and fun um yeah i'm pretty excited for it honestly uh and, and yeah like it's got tons of personality and everything to it so i i hope they i really hope they hit their goal yeah. for sure and they i think it was this one where yeah they expected delivery days like march 2018 so 
uh, it is a 2018 game, mm. um, and uh, currently playing for like PC and stuff. But obviously, they would want to bring it to as much many things as possible if uh, if they get the the funding for it. So good on them. Yeah. Um, let's let's help. They're yeah they're about halfway with about ten days left or so. So hopefully hopefully they get to it. Uh, and that's it for the news. Yeah. Um, shout out to patrons. <laughs> Just want to give out all the patrons. Should have got this list earlier. Uh, shout out to Pierre, who's from Macroma Sound, official sponsor of the site. Brian, Michael, Devin, Craig, Gene, Tabby, M5 Games, Gigi, Jeff, Lindsay, Sean, Gala, Dan, Brian, Ben, Stephen, Lee, Toby, Dan, Chris, and Aaron. Uh, if you're looking for freelancers, contractors, you can go to trainingagents.com uh, slash freelancers, contractors. Uh, and check out uh, basically all the lists there, but there are a few highlighted there as well, including our boy Jake, who's on the podcast Ooh. right now. Uh, as well as Dan and De- uh, Dan and Brian Yoon, who are audio people. Devin, who's a writer. Craig Morrow, who's a writer. Uh, Lindsay Gallant, who's an artist. And Gala Hassan, who's a developer. So you can check that out if you're looking for a little help on your indie project. Yeah. Yeah, just met just met Galel uh, on Monday. We we talked at the Ryerson Game Makers Union, uh, which was fun. So, yeah, he's a nice guy. Nice. Go go hire him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last week we talked about uh, we had uh, Muhammad on the podcast. Check that episode eighty four. It was pretty good. Pretty good talk, I thought. Uh, yeah, it was great. Actually. He did he did a kind of blog post about just stories and games, and if a good game needs a good story. Spun up a lot of interesting Twitter conversation. Um, Jake, I think you had something that you kind of want to add to it if you want to. Mm-hmm. We could do like well, part two of this talk if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's just fun because uh, it's it's funny because um, with 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 all respect to Muhammad, he kept saying cinematic experience, and that's sort of like a pet peeve of mine in the game industry. It's like. I don't think I don't think that the game industry should be focusing on cinematic experiences uh, because we already have cinema. Why would we, you know, remake that again? But but that's I think sort of a, a disconnect I have with like the AAA industry who is trying to do that, and I'm like, eh, I'm not really into it, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but no, I I thought that the discussion. I mean, I love the discussion. I love the discussion about story, and and narrative in video games because. It's such a interesting medium for it, right? Because even if you do a very straightforward story, you know, you have the characters um, who are really well written, fleshed out, and there's a linear story and linear narrative and the path and their set pieces. And like, even when games do that, they can do them beautifully. Because now I haven't played Last of Us, but I understand, except for the ending, that is sort of the experience right is it's very linear and very scripted right yeah and even the ending no matter like there is only that like one little choice that i mentioned on the podcast okay it's and it doesn't matter what i kind of loved most about it is it doesn't matter what you do in that moment it's just sort of like everything leads up to that um you're like the relationship you have with ellie like leads up to that moment and like Mm -hmm. It's a very stark contrast of what you do with those doctors at the end if you kill them or no or not. But that doesn't yeah. change the ending afterwards because it's just like a it, it just sort of wraps everything up. It's just sort of how you kind of interpret the ending at the end there. Yeah, it's kind of like you have that one moment to decide the character development, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's cool. And I've I mean it's funny. I've yeah I've never played 
Last of Us. Uh, I've only ever heard great things about it. And I will say this to like all the other games. It's on my list. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, and it's, it's a very narrative experience, uh, very linear. And it's funny because I look back to a lot of um, games that were my favorite games, but I haven't played in years, like, you know, all the Metal Gear Solids. Like, like Metal Gear Solid 3 is, I would consider, in, like, my top games of all time. But, um, and I, and at the time, I loved Uncharted uh, 2. Um, I didn't play 3, I don't think. Um, but Uncharted 2, I really loved. And, and all these games that, you know, really did have this cinematic experience um, behind it. But as the years go on, like, now, um, I find that, I have a hard time really getting into a game that has a lot of cutscenes mm-hmm. or that has a lot of text because maybe I'm not sure exactly why, but um, I find that I would rather be playing a game than watching a game um, at this point in my life. Um, but that's not to say that I don't want story because I feel like every time I'm on this podcast, I keep bringing up Dark Souls, but I'm going to bring up Dark Souls again because I think Dark Souls has a lot of problems and issues and it's it's very it's very um non-inclusive and all these issues, but one thing about Dark Souls is that it has a very very deep and really really good story, but you don't even need to know what the what the hell is going on when you're playing the game because the gameplay and everything in the world they build and the atmosphere is so good that even if you don't know any of the characters, it actually it won't affect your gameplay experience at all. Mm. Right? You just you can just enjoy the game. But when you start to pick up some of those, like, oh wait, is that who that character is? And then and then you start sort of looking into it and you read the item descriptions and you you pick up like some uh, storytelling storytelling elements from the environment um, and all this sort of stuff. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, like this this stuff I've been doing. It actually has a lot of deep lore and story behind it, um, and I think that's something that you couldn't do in any other medium, right? It's like your the way that you, if you sit in a in an area and you sort of take in what's happening you'll get a better idea of the story and that can't happen in any other medium um, because every other medium, the pace is dictated by the director or whatever, right? Um, but in a game, you can sort of dwell on whatever you want and and you will get information that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in Dark Souls, the whole idea that the uh, the main character that you play as, it's, it's you basically, right? Like they don't really have a backstory. You just create the character, but... Um, in Dark Souls, uh, your character is undead, that which means that they can't die. Every time they die, they come back to life. Um, but at every time um, a character dies, they slowly become more hollow. And when a character goes completely hollow, that's when they're basically a zombie. They they can't think. Um, you know, they they have no consciousness. They're just sort of a, a husk of their former self. And in Dark Souls, that never happens to you unless 
you stop playing the game because you only go hollow if you have no more like will to live you have no more drive mm-hmm. so when you the player give up on the game and you say this game's too hard i can't take it it's you know i i don't want to deal with this game anymore that's your character in game going hollow because they no longer have the drive to move forward and i think that's one of those right that's one of those meta things that you can't do in any other medium but that doesn't even have to do anything with with scripts or or uh voice acting or you know anything like a script writer could never do that that's just a concept that can only be done in a video game so i think that's the sort of stuff that interests me more than than straightforward stories uh in video games nowadays i don't know i just i just spouted out a whole lot of words what what do you think steve no i you know what i never made that connection about dark souls because i was one of those people who just played dark souls and then i got to uh the boss with like the two the two people the one fat guy and then the oh yeah Ornstein and Smo. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I got to that yeah. point and was like, nope, can't do this at all. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And just gave up and stopped playing. Um, yeah. But, and, and I remember playing Blood, or sorry, Dark Souls and just being like, what the, like, what is going on in this game? Like, who are these characters? Like, they're all yeah. just spouting, like, riddles and, and uh, kind of like poetry. And mm. I just, I can't, like, picture it. Everyone's worshiping the sun. I have no idea why. <laughs> um but it was it was cool it, like i don't think it was just the gameplay that kept me engrossed for me the the game what that game did awesome was the storytelling and i, I love this about like fallout and, and other stuff is like the environmental storytelling yes like, yes the, the area that you're in and like what happened previously fallout yeah. 4 i remember playing fallout 4 and just being like the story of this game is kind of trash like you're just trying to save your your kid or whatever <clears throat> um <laughs> But then you would go into this like random house or factory, and then you would just kind of, kind of walk through it and, and just like start reading some of the, some of the I forget what the the computers are called or whatever, but like the the the, the diaries on the computers, and and you would kind of like be able to mold your own story, based on like all that stuff, just at what happened at this one factory. Like I remember finding one where it's like it was uh, a nuclear silo, and they're mm-hmm. trying to launch the. The, the uh, missile because they they like as a counterattack when the missiles started flying everywhere and they mm-hmm. and they didn't get this one out and so like all the diaries are about that and the and the alarm is still going and stuff like that and i was like this is so cool this has nothing to do with like the main story mm-hmm. it's just like a really cool little like inner story of of what happened in this area um you know when all the bombs fell yeah and so to me that's what dark souls kind of is too like they like there isn't really like diaries or, or text that you find, is there? It's always like people that you the, find. The only text is actually through item descriptions. And that's actually where a lot of the lore comes from right. is that you read the item descriptions and they'll give you information um, on the world. Because, yeah, in game, like like all of the bosses, you don't know anything about these bosses. Even, yeah, like you're saying when you get to the to the two guys, the fat guy and the other guy, like you don't know anything about these guys, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that they're there and they want to kill you because you walked into their room, right? But but um, not the fat guy. The other guy is actually one of the most popular characters in the entire series because his story is amazing but you wouldn't know it just by playing the game right but you but you walk into that room and you can tell 
wow, this room is important. And these two guys are really important. Like, you know, like so you, the, you could. Yeah. So is the lore for them in the game, though, or is it like you have to? It is. OK, because that's no, what everything. Everything's in the game. Perfect. Because that's what Destiny 1 that we were talking about earlier about how the story is so much better. That's one, one thing Destiny 1 did so terribly is that you get these like grimoire cards for doing different tasks in the game. I'm down with that. Okay. And and it would be like you killed like a hundred of a certain enemy, so you would learn something about the enemy. Uh, but oh, okay. then you would have to go online, like on your phone or, or computer, and read about it. It's just like I'm not going to do that. Like, why don't you? I, I don't understand how. Hmm. Like, one thing I really loved about Bioshock is that you find a like a cassette or whatever. Yeah. And then they just start, and then you keep playing the game, and then they just start telling you stuff, and it's like, why? Yeah, you don't. Why have games yeah. not been able to like? progress this farther where it's just like i'm finding out even in fallout 4 how much i loved it you still kind of stop the game to read it um yeah and so and but like bioshock just like they just spouted stuff at you about like what's going on in, the, in that area at the time mm-hmm. uh while you're still trying to find shit and the, and i think like i remember reading something about bioshock is that around where all these like things are like the the cassettes mm-hmm. very few enemies spawn like around that area because they want you to kind of be searching trash cans and desks and all that shit to find stuff while you yeah. listen to this, and then you kind of go to the next area, and that's where enemies are. That's that's great design. That's fantastic. And I just don't understand how like games like haven't been able to just like take that in and just like do it better or just or just replicate it. Because like you know, as, as yeah, like I said, as much as like I loved Fallout Four for like kind of its environmental storytelling, like it would have been much better if like I just found a cassette or, or some sort of audio diary which those do exist though but a lot of them is just on the computers um, yeah and that's and that's and that's most likely just a, a development thing is that you know to have to record voice acting for all of these stories they want to tell is gonna really eat into the budget or sure. you could just stick them in computers right um but that's just the thing with open world games in general is that if you really want to flesh out that world you have to put a lot of stuff like the bigger the world the more stuff you have to put in it because like like for me fallout new vegas like i haven't played fallout 4 just because it didn't look like it would give me anything more than fallout new vegas already gave me mm-hmm. um and new vegas it's like it's a big map but really it's not that big compared to other open world games and the amount of just stuff that's in it it's like like every place you go, there's an entire story either through the environment or through things that you find, right? And even a lot of that's text. But um, in in games, uh, I generally, if there's like text files I can read, I generally just opt not to read them, mm-hmm. um, just because it's not fun to me. But but a lot of the time in games like New Vegas, um, like I'll still get something out of the environment like you go into a house and yeah you're just sort of looking through the house and you'll find like you know you'll find like two two corpses in a bed and like under the bed or beside the bed there's like a gun or something and you're just like okay so what is this scene telling me right because like clearly these people didn't just die in in the nuclear blast like something else happened here and that's the kind of stuff i really really love um that's that's the sort of exploration that i really like that like games like breath of the wild haven't been providing me it's like i want to i want to go into a place and try and figure out you know what happened here like you like you were saying yeah um but yeah and yeah so that's that's sort of something that 
doesn't have anything to do with with story and narrative really because i guess that's that's sort of a good distinction to make is a narrative and story are two different things right like narrative is is the path that you're taking through the story but then the story is like everything that surrounds that as well right for sure um but but yeah so um also the other the other thing that mohammed was talking about um i want to i want to get more more from you on this because choice in story that was sort of something you were talking about and if i remember correctly mohammed was saying that he sort of likes a linear experience more right i i don't want to i don't want to speak for him but i think that was kind of like part of it part of his thing like yeah um when when you're kind of like on the ride that the the developer or the story creators right yeah yeah and 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 like what do you think about that because choice is really something that only games can do right like compared to any linear linear medium so well you got like, the choose your own adventure games and uh or choose your own adventure books yeah the books yeah <laughs> but yeah that's that's basically it right i don't i don't know if, those are always like for children i don't know if they really do adult books <laughs> like that but um i think like i don't think i really prefer one method over the other i think mm-hmm. uh it always just kind of goes back to the characters like i'm i'm a big walking dead fan um Mm-hmm. And so playing Telltale and Batman fans, so playing Telltale games, like I loved the Batman and Walking Dead games because they're just mm-hmm. like, they're just like I just love those worlds, yeah. And I love Batman and I love the Walking Dead like universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then and and those are obviously all choose your own adventures. A lot of the times so the decisions kind of already made for you. It's just like what characters think about your actions. Yeah, yeah. Like if a character is going to die, they're going to die. But it's just like what does Batman do in that moment, sort of thing. Gotcha. Um. But then I played the the Borderlands one and was like, didn't like it at all. And they're all the same game, right? But it's just sort of the <laughs> world that they kind of perch you in. Like the Borderlands yeah. one, I was just bored and just didn't care about it at all. So yeah, um, for me, for me, it's not like if like I don't think I've ever really said to myself like, oh, I wish this was. I wish I kind of had the choice here, or vice versa. I wish I, I wish like this game just kind of took me for a ride. Um, I think it kind of just depends on, depends on like what what it's it's a game by game decision for me. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess I guess the the big difference is that you know when it comes to choice, there's two different ways you can do it. It's that you are playing a character who has choices, and then you are playing yourself, like uh, like an actual role playing game, like like mm. Fallout New Vegas. Uh, it's kind of like yeah, it's like it's like Fallout New Vegas versus fallout 4 right because fallout 4 you you have a character basically right like you have your character and and basically the choices that surround fallout 4 is like there's like four alliances um Mm. that all kind of hate each other you know there's the i even forget i forget the names but there's like the robots and then there's like the power people and then there's like the the settlement people and stuff like that so you kind of like the choices are are always kind of like which faction you kind of uh, like side with. Oh, okay. Okay. But your character kind of has like a, like a personality and background already, right? Yeah. Like you're basically <clears throat> like the story is you're actually in the future. Like you're in the part before the bombs fall. Yeah. Yeah. And you're with your wife or you can be the wife. So you're with your husband or whatever. Uh, and you have a kid and then that's when the bombs start to fall and you go into the vault 
and uh, and this vault is just freezing you, uh, freezing them like in uh, like I don't, like freezing you or whatever. So you're not like moving. Yeah, like that, you know what I mean. Cry cryostasis. Yes. yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and <clears throat> then you kind of wake up and you see like people come in like being like, oh, this is the kid we want, and they take the baby. So whoever you're not playing as, if you're playing as the husband, it's the mom, and if you're playing as the yeah. mom, it's the husband, is holding yeah. the baby. And they take the they wake him up to take the baby and shoot your wife. Uh, okay. And then you wake up and you're like, okay, I gotta go find my kid now and avenge my okay. wife. Is basically the story. But but the character, the actual character, do they have like like a personality already, or do you put your own personality on the character? Uh, do you know what I'm saying? You put your own personality into the character. I would say. Oh, okay. So it is more like a Fallout New Vegas then. Where I think it's so. Like, yeah. Okay. I, it, it did get a lot of heat saying that there wasn't enough, like as much choices and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But you still kind of like you know, do you want to kill this person or not? Do you do you trust this person or not? Like this was all kind of like it was all kind of surrounded like your character and your decisions. So you can okay. you can be known as like the dude who just like kills everyone or vice versa. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because because you know, like some games, like like Mass Effect, um, you can influence Shepard, but Shepard is already kind of a character, right? right. Like you can't, you can make your own Shepard, but it's still a Shepard. He's a he, um, he's a hero. He's there to save the world. That's like his main mission, sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and how and however Shepard does that, you can change, but it's still still the same Shepard, right? Yeah. Um. But then, in, yeah, in a game like a game like Fallout New Vegas, um you really like you can make anybody you want basically um but i and i guess that's sort of the the great thing about role playing games like like true role playing games um and like i haven't played uh divinity um original sin but i hear it's i think that's the name of it but i hear it's sort of the same where like you just have so many options like so many options that you can really create any type of character you want and you can play out the game totally differently um as opposed to a game like the witcher where you're you're geralt or geralt however you say his name uh haven't actually played the witcher <laughs> but but you can influence things but you're still sort of he's got his character right have you yeah. played the witcher uh, i played like maybe a couple hours of it which means okay. I, didn't, I didn't play really anything gotcha because that game has tons of choice but but you're still sort of the character right so yeah. So, but but specifically, I think the role playing, the true role playing games, that is uh, a place where choice is so important because if you are playing yourself or you're just playing a type of character, because I feel like whenever I boot up a new game of New Vegas, I want to say like I'm gonna try and play a character unlike any other like character i played before mm. so sometimes i'll just play like a mad max completely doesn't listen to reason like it's just totally doing their own thing you know killing people for if they look at them the wrong way right um but then another playthrough i'll try and play like a scientist who is like terrified of fighting people and tries to avoid it at all costs and the great thing about new vegas is that there are so many options that every time you play you can do it completely differently and they're all fun and satisfying and it doesn't feel like the story is taking a hit because of it 
doesn't feel like there's one way that is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I think that's something that that is very different from games where there's that predefined character and you're influencing their decisions. Because Shepard, you can, you know, do the you can be like kind of a, a hard ass and you can like, you know, shoot people when you when they aren't listening to you. But or or you can play the you know the proper by the books shepherd, but they're the, they're moving towards the same goal, right? Um, so yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. No, it's, a, it's totally <laughs> fine. Um, yeah. yeah, and there was quite a few like interesting like Twitter discussions I had with people when that that thing came out too. It's like someone, you know, the the title of the article was like, "Do good games need good stories?" And someone just simply tweeted at me, "No." And I was like, oh, <laughs> like not a fan of twin six shooters then, because like, what's the story in a twin six shooter? Like, it's just, it's nothing. It's, it's just like I'm thinking of like Resogun or which is in twin mm-hmm. six, I guess technically, or just like Star uh, Super Stardust or yeah. any of the, any of those games where it's just like it's all about the high score, like Pac Man, <clears throat> any any arcadey type of game. Yeah. Um, and then I think he said like, you know, I do like twin six shooters, but you know the story. Like I would rather like I I would want stories in games. Like basically, if if there's a game that has a horrendous story, a good game with a horrendous story, it's going to like bring down the, the whole experience, which is different than a game with like no story whatsoever, like a high score. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because if they're going to include a story, then it has to be at least competent, right? Like, like I think it makes more sense to just completely omit a story if you're not going to make a good one. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what people had a, a problem with, like Mass Effect Andromeda, where it's just like the story is just trash. Yeah. Like, why did you, yeah. like, like sure the gameplay is fun because it's still Mass Effect and and whatever, but like the story is just like hot garbage. So like, what was even the point of this then? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, and I think it's also an interesting conversation because it, it sort of completely omits like you know multiplayer only games because it's this this brings into sort of like overwatch and how overwatch has a story and it has really really well-developed characters but in the game like there's no story right it's just the really really well-developed characters and yeah it's all through the you have to go through like the digital shorts and stuff right yeah yeah exactly but but it's funny because like i still haven't i still haven't gotten around to playing overwatch and i'm so sad because of it you haven't played Uh, any overwatch well, because because we're waiting for Sarah to get a PC to be uh, able to play it. Play. So, and we've been wanting to play it since before release. So it's been a very trying sixteen months. But Just get a PlayStation Four already. Come on, oh, <laughs> come on. Got to keep up this master race thing going on here. You know, you can't, you can't be shouting the master race when you don't even have a computer to play Overwatch. I have a computer to play Overwatch. Oh, oh so then you don't, just, you haven't played Bloodborne then either. No, actually, um, I've, I'm doing a challenge for myself of if I go to bed at, by 10 p.m. for three months, then I get to borrow my family's PS4 and buy Bloodborne. <laughs> <What? and> <laughs> Gotta set goals, you, man. Gotta set goals. Are you six years old? <laughs> like, what's the, what no, I am, I, am a, I am a grumpy old man is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange goal. People, you could just like, why don't you just... All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we all have to get into this. Too. Usually, adult ones are like, "Oh, I'll save fifteen dollars a week, and then after however many weeks, then I'll use that to buy the system." <laughs> but no, it's just like if I go to bed, if I go before my bedtime, gotta get my rest. <laughs> I would fail that but, miserably. Even on weekends, you want to go to bed before ten? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, you are a morning guy then. I I am. It's funny. Uh, yeah, we don't. We we, we could talk about it more later, but <laughs> we should we should wrap it up because we are kind of on the long. Yeah, we're we're here. we're going long here. Yeah. For sure. uh, Jake, if people want to find you or you want to promote anything, what what's where can what, where should people go? Yeah, I'm I'm Jake Butno everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud. Come take a listen to my stuff and chat with me. And you have a pinned tweet uh, on your your Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, are you working on a new EP, or is that? I I am. Yeah, I am working on a new EP. Uh, I put some work into it this week, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. I'm excited for it. It's gonna be a little bit different from my other stuff, which will be fun. Perfect. Uh, Brett, I think we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably have Jake. You, you're welcome to join us as well. Dan, I think is going to be kind of taking a step aside a little bit as he gets kind of bogged down with work. Uh, but you can follow Brett at Brett Meester on Twitter and Dan at uh, Composing Dan. Um, and if you want to follow all the Toronto Game Dev stuff, just Google Toronto Game Devs and just go where Google tells you to go. So the website, the Reddit, the Twitter, Facebook, whatever, Instagram. We're kind of all over the place. Uh, and rate this five stars on iTunes, share it with your friends, all that stuff. Um, yeah. And Tweet of the Week is usually just a tweet I just always share from Dan. <laughs> Occasionally, I'll just leave my cell phone at home and pretend like the internet doesn't exist for a while. Feels. And it's a gif of uh, of a cartoon smiling after a little while. I don't know what uh, cartoon that's from. That's Despicable Me. <clears throat> oh, is it? I think so. I didn't watch it, so. Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next week. Cool. Bye.